Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then Stripe tap to pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Coming up on DTNS, Apple's in hot water for its app store and a Foxconn factory, plus thoughts on the Fitbit Versa 2 and the new Panasonic Toughbook. This is the Daily Tech News for Monday, September 9th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And I'm the show's producer in the corner, Roger Chang. Uh, we were just talking about our, our very disappointing weekends on Good Day Internet, uh, but also a little bit about scarab beetles. So if you're interested in that, uh, we might throw around our thoughts on the upcoming Apple announcement. Uh, for this show, though, uh, we're going to save that for tomorrow. But you can get all that and more. Get the wider conversation at patreon.com slash DTNS. Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Daimler announced that it has begun testing autonomous trucks on Virginia highways in partnership with startup Torque Robotics, which Daimler recently acquired a majority stake in. Freightliner Cascadios, as they're known, equipped with LiDAR sensors, cameras, and radar and Torque's self-driving software, will have drivers and engineers on board to pull trailers with added weight to simulate loads near Torque's headquarters in Blacksburg, Virginia. The vehicles are said to be level four by the Society of Automotive Engineers, which means full autonomy. The Texas Department of Information Resources noted that the 22 agencies in Texas hit by a ransomware attack on August 16th were able to restore service by August 23rd. Just took them about a week. Attackers had breached a third-party service uh, provider to be able to get into the networks and install the ransomware on the agency's uh, hard drives and had demanded a total of $2.5 million amongst all 22 agencies in order to unlock it. But the agencies had an incident response plan that was executed immediately with support from 10 government agencies and they were able to recover without spending a dime. The Texas DIR recommends blocking inbound traffic from Tor exit nodes, as well as outbound network traffic to Pastebin, along with the usual practices of multi-factor authentication, limiting administrator rights, stopping spear phishing, all that, uh, as a result of their experience with this recovery. 
A source tells publication Electric that a partner of Tesla working on a new battery cell is making a lithium-ion battery cell with a next-generation single-crystal NMC cathode and a new advanced electrolyte. The technology reportedly could power an electric car for over 1.6 million kilometers or 1 million miles, which is two to three times longer than Tesla's current battery cells. And just an hour or so ago, attorneys general from 48 U.S. states, the territory of Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia, so 50 attorneys general total, announced an antitrust investigation into Google. Now, remember, there's a Department of Justice investigation into Facebook. There's a Department of Justice investigation into Amazon and Google. There's a New York uh, state's attorney-led investigation into Facebook. There's a lot of these going on. This is the latest one. Uh, 50 attorneys general investigating Google. Texas State Attorney General Ken Paxton made the announcement from the steps of the U.S. Supreme Court, trying to be all dramatic. The investigation will focus on advertising practices, but... Other points of inquiry may also be included. In fact, during the press conference, other attorneys mentioned things like looking into search ranking or protecting personal information. Attorneys general from California and Alabama are the only ones from the United States states not involved. All right, let's talk a little bit more about that Apple thing I mentioned. Apple says it adjusted its App Store algorithm in July to deprioritize Apple apps in search results Though it would admit uh, it hasn't fully fixed the issue. Apple apps come up above non-Apple apps in multiple search categories. Apple's Phil Schiller says it's not corrected yet, but it is improved. Apple says it's not manipulating the search results to increase its own app's rankings. It happens as an unexpected result attributed to coming up in search for common terms. For instance, the podcast app for Apple is named Podcast, so it's much more likely to show up. Uh, It's also attributed to uh, being grouped by maker because Apple makes so many apps uh, that if you have a lot of apps, you're likely to come up higher in the search rankings when those apps are grouped together than you would individually. Uh, Also, Apple's apps are popular with Apple's crowd because they like Apple things. Apple says the algorithm examines 42 different signals, so it's complicated to figure out exactly why Apple's own apps would get favored. The change came partly in response to reports by the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, both showing Apple apps seeming to have an edge in Apple App Store search results. (sighs) Uh, Well, okay. So number one, Apple saying like, well, there was nothing wrong, but we're changing things just because. But we didn't do anything wrong in the first place. It's very Apple. Second, you know, people saying, well, you know, Apple realized that there was an antitrust issue going on here and and are making uh, steps to remove it. Get that as well. At the same time, Apple is in the business of making apps that would be surfaced when people look for apps that, uh, you know, that that is part of the iOS experience that Apple would provide. So it's a little bit of a gray area, right? Like, Okay, well, yeah, I mean, you don't want to surface that that ahead of all of your competition. But at the same time, wouldn't Apple think that they were ahead of the competition? Well, yes and no. I, I, first of all, I don't think this is just because of antitrust. The antitrust complaint by Spotify was about the revenue share. Yes, they've been very public about how they think Apple is also preferencing its own search results, and that certainly wouldn't help Apple in their case with the EU. But the Spotify complaint in the EU is specifically about the revenue share. Uh, and so I don't think this has to do with just that. I think it more has to do with the bad press. I also 
don't think Apple is saying we didn't do anything wrong. I think what they're saying is we didn't do it on purpose. We didn't make our own app show up. Uh, and now we're <laughs> they trying. They were just better. Well, yeah, I, that's kind of, that is a very, and that is a very Apple thing to say. But yeah, I and and, and I believe them. I think they probably knew this was happening. Uh, and they didn't mind so much yeah. until it became uh, bad publicity. But I don't think that it's necessary for them to have spiked the results. It makes sense that if you have 42 signals and some of them are popularity that, well, guess what? The Apple user is going to download Apple apps a lot more often than other apps because they trust Apple because that's why they have the phone in the first place. And yeah, Apple's very good at optimizing search for their own platform that they run, one would expect. So the names of their apps are going to show up higher because of that naturally. Uh, it's, it's another example to me of why you can't just say, well, algorithms are impartial. We'll leave it to them. You've got to curate it. Uh, and I saw a TechCrunch uh, column arguing that if Apple really wants to solve this, they should just present their own apps separately from the search results in Apple and have search results for independent developers and results for Apple-made stuff. And I don't think that would actually hurt Apple in any way. Here are all the results that you might get from third parties, and here are the official Apple yeah. results. Yeah, you exactly. Know? Like, I don't think I'd mind if I did a research for podcasting apps and Granted, I'm trying to design user interface here, right? So, which is always fraught with peril, and UX designers hate it when content people like me do that. But uh, imagine there's the main category just has uh, Spotify and Acast and Downcast and Pocket Cast, and Pocket Cast is right there at the top. And then to the right, it's like, oh, but Apple also has these apps that do that same thing, and maybe it shows podcasts. And I don't know, Apple Music or something, right? I'm fine with that. I think other people would not be fine with that because they'd say, well, now Apple's putting themselves at the top of every search page. So maybe you have to have a separate section. Maybe you just have a note that says, hey, there's also apps from Apple here. Uh, there's not a solution to this that's going to make everybody happy. Yeah. Well, what what may or may not make <laughs> you happy is my next Live With It segment, which is about smartwatches and Fitbits Versa 2, is one of the contenders. In fact, voting is open now for, for anybody who, who goes to our Patreon page. However, the Verge's Fitbit Versa 2 review has some pros and some cons, which I think, you know, might play into this a little bit. The pros include it's comfortable, lightweight design, week-long battery life, very good, has a nice bright screen, great fitness and sleep tracking features, and handy voice replies, especially for Android users. However, there are some cons, which include how changing the straps, very cumbersome as well, the always-on display lacks custom customizability and Amazon's assistant integration, not seamless. In fact, The Verge says it's downright pointless at times. The Versa 2 goes on sale on September 15th for $200. So uh, if, if people don't know, uh, Sarah just did a Live With It segment. We'll talk about it a little more uh, later. But Live With It is our series where she spends three months with a piece of technology and then reports back what it's like to actually live with it. And the next one's wearables. Like she said, you can go vote on what she's going to live with in the wearables category, one of which is the Versa 2. Sounds like the Versa 2 would be a good fitness option, right? I mean, some of those... I, I look at this and I think that the pros outweigh the cons. Like, um, okay, voice assistant doesn't work. I never use Siri on my Apple Watch anyway. Uh, always on display, well, and, customizability, and whatever. I, I don't really changing care straps. That. Like one yeah. strap is How all. How often like, I'm going to change the strap? But there are certain there are certain things I agree with you, Tom. That are where I'm like, ah, that doesn't really bother me. But it does matter. Um, it does factor in. And and yeah, the Versa Two. Um, 
is the front runner in our voting, you know, if we're being honest. So it is, you know, it's interesting to me because this is something that I'm going to live with very soon, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a Versa 2 or, or one of our other options. Five um, to seven day battery life. I love that. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, not everybody looks at these specs and thinks the same as I do. Man, that is great. The battery life is great. Um, the always-on display lacking customizability. Again, it is very difficult for me to weigh in on that, having never been a smartwatch owner before. What the Verge's overall review was, uh, you know, what I took away from it was, this is a great fitness tracker. This is a dumb smartwatch. And I personally, I I know the difference because we talk about it on the show, but I don't know the difference in day-to-day use. So that is, you know, it's it's a really good indicator for me of what, you know, somebody who I, I, you know, The Verge, obviously, I I trust their their benchmarks, uh, what they think. TechCrunch uh, took the the position that, this is a great $200 smartwatch. It's not a great $400 smartwatch, but hey, since you only have to pay $200 for it, that makes sense. And the Apple Watch is, you know, three to $400. So it's not really comparable to that. But I know, I know we got lots of opinions. In fact, somebody already wrote in and uh, because of the voting, uh, expressed their opinions about the Versa 2. Armando uh, said, if you want to track your run or bike ride or whatever it is you do outside, you'll need to carry your phone so that the Fitbit app on your phone can track your location. He doesn't like that. Uh, Versa 2 Fitbit as a whole doesn't play nice with Apple Health. That's pretty much true of everything that isn't an Apple Watch. Uh, Fitbit won't share its data with Apple Health app. So if you own an iPhone and want to see all your health data in one place, then any Fitbit device is a non-starter. If you get other info from another instrument or get data from something that does share with Apple Health, then you'll have to pop back to see all your info. In other words, he's like, he wants it to be an Apple Health and it's not. Obviously, this is only an issue if you're in the Apple ecosystem, but that doesn't account But that does account for quite a few people. There are third-party paid options around this, but it sometimes means jumping through unneeded hoops. Uh, Most other health trackers do work with Apple Health, but Fitbit has remained staunch in its stance to protect your data. So yeah, and we 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 had some feedback last week um, in Friday's show that echoed this sentiment as well. And yeah, I mean, as an iOS user, it does matter. Yeah. All right, uh, so patreon.com slash DTNS. You'll have to scroll. I'm so sorry. I know some of you can't find anything if you have to scroll. You'll have to scroll down to find the poll, but we promise you it is there. A version of the Vivaldi browser for Android is now out in beta. Uh, Like on the desktop, new tabs will open to a grid of customized bookmarks called speed dials. You can use custom nicknames to search with multiple search engines beyond your default. Let's say your default is DuckDuckGo, but you want to search with Google. You could make G your nickname and then put G and then your search term. You can also take notes in the browser uh, that you can keep in the browser so you don't have to go into another app. You'll be able to sync all that from your desktop install too with end-to-end encryption. Now, not everything from the desktop feature-wise is in the Android version of Vivaldi yet. Verge points out the ability to stack tabs into one tab, for instance, doesn't appear to be there, but then it's a beta. Uh, You know, I think uh, a lot of people forget that there are more than one or two choices of browser out there. There's there's not only Firefox and Chrome and Safari, uh, Microsoft Edge, but there's also Opera, there's Vivaldi, uh, and a bunch more. Uh, Tom and Roger, do either of you use Vivaldi on the desktop on a regular basis? No. no. I did. I, I, in fact, I have it here installed. I was using it 
to manage a Patreon. Uh, that's kind of the way I do it. I, I keep a Patreon logged in on each browser so I don't have to constantly log in and log out. Uh, and I, I, that's a, it's a Patreon for a show that hasn't been in production. It's on hiatus. So I kind of stopped using Vivaldi because of that. I'm like, you know, well, that's silly. I should find another reason to use it. Uh, and, and maybe this is it. Maybe this is the thing to get me going. That's, that's my take on Vivaldi. Well, sure. Um, it sounds like for anybody who, who is using Vivaldi on a regular basis for the desktop, uh, features coming to Android for those of you know who are using uh, desktop and Android as well, um, that will get close to the feature set that they were used to already. Yeah. In fact, but, if yeah, there's anybody out there that so. does use Vivaldi, we'd love to hear from you. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com, why you like it. I'm, I'm going to make a point to, to start using it more. Yeah, I mean, hey, we could do a show truly based on how was your life like d- using this new browser for the last week. In fact, that's actually a really good idea. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Moving on, Microsoft unveiled a redesigned to-do app for desktop and mobile meant to replace Wonderlist. You can flag messages from Microsoft-based email accounts to send a task list, look at assigned to assigned to me list from Microsoft Planner, and also integrate to do with Microsoft Launcher on Android. You can also add tasks from Amazon voice-powered devices through Cortana. There are also customizations or the interface, including the Berlin TV tower background from Wonderlist. Microsoft promises list syncing across Android, iOS, Mac, Windows, and the web. Yeah, I'm I'm actually excited about the to-do app. I like its integrations. I like the idea that I could use my Amazon Echo to add things. I love cross-platform where I don't have to decide or think about what devices I have to choose whether I want to use something. Uh, Granted, if I had a Google Home, I wouldn't feel this way. And I do have a Google Home, but I also have an Amazon Echo. So it's not perfect, but I like that. Uh, On the other hand, None of us are Wonderlist enthusiasts. I actually did use Wonderlist for a while. We were using it on Sword and Laser to do some planning. Uh, but Veronica Belmont, my co-host on Sword and Laser, took me off our Wonderlist thing this weekend uh, in response to this change where Wonderlist is going away. And a lot of people out there are saying, yeah, no, Microsoft to do. That's great. I'm sure at some point you'll have all the features I like on Wonderlist. You know what I like? Wonderlist. You know what I'm using? Wonderlist. You know what I want to keep using? Wonderlist. So they got really excited when Christian Reber said, hey, let me buy it back. Uh, I don't know that it's so easy as it might appear for Microsoft to just say, yeah, sure. We'll just uh, give you your $200 million. Give us the $200 million or whatever it was we paid for it back. Uh Veronica and others, uh, Wonderlist, uh, uh, you know, diehards, what was the main issue? Well, the main issue is that, uh, I, I mean, I think with, I, I don't want to speak for Veronica. I have no idea why she really did it. But the main issue for most people has been that uh, we are, uh, we, people are used to Wonderlist. And Cor- corporate overlords. If scare, Microsoft yeah. was changing the name of Wonderlist to Microsoft To Do, I think there'd be much less. There, any change on the internet is going to bring a bunch of people upset. But I think there would be much less outcry about it because it would you wouldn't have to move to a different app. What's happening though is Wonderlist was built on Amazon Web Services, and for whatever reason, Microsoft made the decision that it was too difficult to port it over to Azure, and they want their To Do List app to run off of Azure because they're Microsoft. So they took 
the knowledge from the Wonderlist team. They took the engineers from the Wonderlist team and they had them create a new app that's in their mind as good as Wonderlist. But, you know, when people are like, yeah, but I'm already here. I'm already on Wonderlist. They don't want to move. I like the way it works. Plus, anytime you change features, of course, that makes people uncomfortable. So you can kind of multiply all those things together. I think that's why. Yeah. Panasonic announced the Toughbook 55 with a modular design for replacing components. So you just uh, pull some stuff out, put some stuff back in. Uh, makes it easy to swap things even on the go when you're out in the field. Add-on modules include more ports, if you just need a bunch more ports. Uh, dedicated graphics, uh, fingerprint reader, second storage drive. You can't have all of those at once, but you can decide which of those you want to have, and you can pull them in and out. Uh, of course, the RAM is replaceable. Uh, drives are quick release, and the keyboard is also modular. You can pop that thing out if it goes bad and replace it. Uh, batteries can be hot-swapped for an estimated 40-hour battery life. The Toughbook 55 has 8th-gen Core i5 and i7 chipsets available, uh, along with USB-C, HDMI 2.0, and Bluetooth 5. Also has a 4-mic array now for better voice recognition, a 1,000-nit touchscreen up to 64 gigabytes of RAM, and maxes out at 2 terabytes of storage. And uh, important for a lot of people that use this book, uh, wireless access includes worldwide P.180 data service and AT&T's FirstNet platform for emergency responders. Starting price for the Panasonic Toughbook 55 is $2,099. They don't have prices on the the add-on modules yet well as somebody who <laughs> uh if i'm around enough people on the go they go what is wrong with your laptop and i'm like what do you mean and they're like it looks like it's been through hell and i'm like yeah that's just because it's you know it's my road warrior i love the idea of this i love the idea of modular swappable uh, uh keyboards um you know, in addition to, you know, the kind of the more interesting innards, this is, it's, it's priced quite well, honestly, considering that, uh, it, it seems like it, it, it's the, the specs are good. I mean, tough book first came along back in the early two thousands, uh, when, when we were all at tech TV, uh, <laughs> and I remember feeling like it was a little bit overhyped. It was mildly more durable, but maybe not worth the price. I think they've done a lot with this product line over the years to really tailor it to people who work construction sites, emergency response, firefighting, working out in the field where it's not about whether this thing can survive a, a drop from a bridge necessarily. It's about, does it hold up? Like you said, you know, does, does it, does it go out of service because you're just using it under rough conditions? And I, I think they've done a pretty good job of, of, of toughening th this up to the point where, the the durability is not the big selling point on the Toughbook 55. It's as durable as the last one, uh, but they're really pushing the modularity to say like, what? yes, it's tough enough to survive out on your construction site, but what you need is flexibility. You need to be able to hot swap a battery because you're not around a power source when you're out in the field. You need to be able to put more ports in there when you need it and be able to swap that out for another hard drive when you need it. And that's what they're delivering. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all of the specs on paper uh, is is like, okay, well, that's what I expect out of my current laptop. And this is cheaper than me buying my current laptop now. Yeah, so, or that, twice that because it breaks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That too. <laughs> Just paid $600 to get my display fixed, even though Oof. it should have been under Apple warranty. Mm. Whatever. Not at all annoyed about that. Bloomberg reports that Apple and Foxconn confirmed that Foxconn exceeded Chinese labor laws on the number of temporary staff that it is allowed to use. So here's the deal. The confirmation came in response to claims from the group China Labor Watch. 
Chinese law says you can't have more than 10% of your staff be dispatch workers. That's another term for temp workers. China, China Liberwatch claimed that temps made up uh, between 30 and 50% of Foxconn workers at a plant in Zhengzhou. Apple said that the percentage of temps exceeded its standards and is working with Foxconn to resolve the issue. Foxconn said it discovered the violation after operational review, and China Liberwatch also made other claims which Apple says are false. The company says it has confirmed all overtime and compensation is appropriate. Yeah, China Labor Watch uh, had a person inside of Foxconn, uh, and and this is the report that they made based on that person's observations. The only thing that Foxconn and Apple are copping to is, yes, it looks like there were too many dispatch workers, too many temps. Uh, there were also claims that overtime wasn't paid, uh, compensation wasn't paid properly, uh, that, that people were forced to work overtime, that they shouldn't have been allowed to work. And Apple says, nope, we don't see any evidence of any of that. Uh, this is a tough one because on the one hand, uh, Apple can, can, can cover its tracks and say, hey, it's not us, it's Foxconn. We're doing our best to, to, to make sure that they're following our rules, but you know, we, we have to look at them and, and, and we, we wouldn't be having them do it if we were doing it ourselves, right? But that can either be an excuse or a reality. Uh, why Foxconn continually seems to be under accusation for these kinds of things, I think, is the question. Yeah, Foxconn, uh, a track record that we've followed very closely on this show, as have many others. Um, it is, yeah, I mean, it's, hey, listen, uh, there were uh, things uh, went under the radar, whether or not it was intentional or not. It is definitely uh, out in the open now. So, I mean, that's 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 a good thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's whistleblowing groups uh, like China Labor Watch that can hold uh, their feet to the fire at Foxconn. I do believe that Apple doesn't like these things to happen. Obviously, they certainly don't like the press, but I think they would rather Foxconn just follow the rules. Um, But I don't know how much more they could do to force Foxconn to do this, at which point the, the question becomes, well, could Apple say, well, we're going with someone else? Or could they say, well, we're going only with Foxconn locations that aren't in China, because that seems to be where you end up uh, riding roughshod on the rules, at least so far. Foxconn has a lot of other plants, Brazil, India, Vietnam, etc. So uh, could they do that? Yeah. Is it easy? Well, when we saw the tariffs being slapped on China, uh, a lot of people did the math and said, not easy, not impossible, but not easy. So that's why you haven't seen Apple pull the rug out from under Foxconn, uh, but instead try to clamp down and say, we're, we're going to keep looking at oversight. Every time you say we're going to, we're going to keep putting oversight and you have another one of these claims rise up that is confirmed, right? They're not even denying this one about the temps. Uh, it makes you wonder how long Apple will put up with that. Or should. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it, it's, it's funny. You think, all right, well, a company the size of Apple, like, shouldn't they just have more people on the ground in these third-party partners that are extremely important to Apple's bottom line to make sure that this isn't happening? And yes, maybe that will be the case going forward. Um, maybe Apple needs to take more control of, of you know, the, this sort of thing going forward. Um, but it is not the only company that we regularly report on being like, well, a really, really important uh, partner of this big, big company did something that the big, big company now says, we're sorry. 
Well, and that's my point is they've already said, we'll put more people on it. We'll put more oversight. At a certain point, there's a limit to what you can do without just running the factory yourself, right? The point of having a contractor is you don't have to be watching over them uh, all the time. So, well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high volume, high speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then... Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. And thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit. You can submit stories and vote on them at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com, facebook.com slash groups slash dailytechnewsshow. Let's take a look at the mailbag. Let's do it. Josiah wrote in and said, just following up on the mention of fancy zones from Windows Power Toys Project. We talked about this last Friday with Allison Sheridan. Josiah says, Allison mentioned she'd love to see better window management on Macs. Josiah says, I'd like to pass on two different options, better snap tool and magnet. Better snap tool is a smidge better for my MacBook Pro because of some quirky work issues, but I've used both and both are excellent. Oh, this is so cool. And I know Allison likes to play with uh, with new toys. So I forwarded this along to her. Uh, I'll let you know if she gets back to me uh, what she thinks. But thank you for that, Josiah. That's pretty cool. Absolutely. Uh, I'll... Yep, yeah, I was going to say, Jeff in Pennsylvania also uh, wrote in in response to the live with it about uh, your experience with living with smart bulbs. Yes. Um, uh, Jeff had some great feedback um, and uh, and he is in many that have given us great feedback and keep it coming. It's been great. Jeff says, in my experience, I find it much better to get bulbs with a dedicated hub over Wi-Fi based bulbs. 
he was uh, speaking in reference to me using hue bulbs, which do use a bridge, and LifeX bulbs, which uh, connect to my Wi-Fi uh, connection with without the need of a bridge. Jeff says, the reason being more Wi-Fi bulbs you add, the more devices on your network, and consequently, the more congested your Wi-Fi network will get and potentially bogging down your router. Would probably take a lot of bulbs for this to be a problem, but I think it's a factor people need to consider. Jeff also says... A smart bulb versus smart switch is important. I started off with a hue bulbs, quickly found an annoying limitation. If the switch is turned off, you lose any ability to remotely control the bulbs. For lamps, not on the switch, not a huge issue. But as somebody who wants to expand their smart lighting, it becomes a concern whether our guests or house or pet sitters who may inadvertently turn off a switch and therefore you lose the ability to program or control your lights. Finally, Jeff says, the other factor with smart bulbs versus switches is cost. A few smart bulbs here and there, not that bad. However, if you start replacing all the bulbs in a room, it can get pricey pretty quickly, even with just the basic on-off dimmable bulbs. A smart switch usually costs about 20 to 40 bucks, depending on what model you you get, and you can control all the lights at once, and the lights can be controlled normally if the internet or smart assistant is down. That's also a very good point, Jeff. Jeff says, I personally went with Z-Waves, which is for local control, and they work really great, especially with the GE switches. Yeah, uh, but you can't control the the tone, of the, the color. You can't do flicker. You can't have a dance party with a smart switch unless you're <laughs> just hitting that button over and over again. So uh, I don't know, folks. If you want to get the full story to what Jeff is responding to, uh, you have to be a patron right now, patreon.com slash DTNS. Uh, scroll down and look for the Live With It that posted on Friday. Uh, if you're not a patron, just hang in there. Uh, by the end of this week, by Saturday, uh, that Live With It episode will go public for everybody same place patreon.com slash dtns thanks to all of our patrons uh you're the best and just want to remind everybody speaking of live with it that we do have voting going on right now for my next live with it segment we've narrowed the topic down to smart watches we've got four contenders in the running we have a front runner at this time but you never know what's going to happen in the next week please do vote voting is open to everybody and while you're over there at Patreon, uh, you might want to look at our suggestions for new rewards that we want to start in October. Uh, let us know if there's anything in there you just can't live with. Get it? Live with it. Uh, uh, you can find the proposed <laughs> Patreon reward changes at dailytechnewsshow.com slash Patreon. Hey, I have this feeling that you have some feedback for us. And you know what? I've got good news. Feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com is where to send that feedback so that we read it and respond to it and care about it. And it makes us all better people. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern. That's 2030 UTC. Please join us if you can. Tell a friend. Find out more at dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Apple announcement tomorrow with Patrick Beja. Talk to you then. This show is part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.